You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are on uh, week two of Worldview. This is actually a series on the Word, the Bible, the Scriptures, the written Word of God, uh, you know, the Logos. Uh, Jesus Himself is actually revealed in, in the written Word. And, you know, as I uh, preached about this last uh, week, we all have different uh, views of the world. You have a certain perspective in life. You know, whether you are a positive person or a negative person or you're always excited or, you know, you're, you're uh, always depressed. Hopefully, you're not depressed. We put our hope in the Lord. Amen. So, you know, we put a certain lens on our eyes and we look at the world in a certain view. And, you know, when you read the scriptures, there's a certain view that happens now that you are, you know, engaged in the Word and you're being changed. And I believe that all of us, as we read God's Word, there's power in the written Word of God. It has the ability to change us. When you engage the Word, these are no empty words. This is life. This is truth. This is, you know, this uh, Bible has the ability to transform a human being. Amen. Now, how many of you would actually say that you are no longer the same as you were before? Amen. You are growing more and more into the image of God. And it's more than just coming to church. It's more than just attending a small group. It's more than just, you know, going to the different classes. It's more than just raising up your hand or going to a prayer meeting. Really, the way we get transformed is by the Word of God. When we get engaged in the Word, when we read the Word, when we, you know, when we meditate and when we delight on the Scriptures, that is how we get transformed more into the image of God. I've been a Christian for the past 30 plus years. And the reality is, I am no longer the same person. I had a quick meet up with some of my classmates because one of my classmates, uh, uh, her dad passed away. So we had a quick meet up uh, with some of my high school Barcada or classmates, and somehow when we were telling stories of the past, I am no longer that person that they were talking about. How many of you can relate with me? You know, when you go to your high school reunion, 20th anniversary or 21st uh, reunion, or th- we're gonna go this year, it's our 35th, don't count the years, okay? 30, 35th anniversary class reunion. You're no longer the same person as you were before. You've been transformed by the Word of God. A wrong worldview will lead us to a wrong worldview. There are just so many lies that, are, that you can actually read in, in the internet. Lies about their so-called the truth of the gospel. But that's why we have to go back to the pure, unadulterated Word of God. Last week's point was your devotion to the Word will set you apart from the world. We focus basically on Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates how many times? Day and night. And we said that he's like a tree planted by streams of water. 
which yields its fruit in season. And how many of you would like to be like a tree? Would want to be like a tree? You know, it says our growth is limitless when we're planted permanently compared to those that are potted temporarily. In our home, we have potted plants. And every, every time there's a storm, we had to put them down because we knew that they're going to be gone if the winds blew hard. But our tree out there in our backyard, because it's planted and its roots are deep, no matter how strong the winds are, how many of you know that? It's still standing there. You and I are like a tree planted by the streams of water. And when you talk about streams, streams, you know, there's regular irrigation, there's regular watering, there's regular nutrient and, you know, uh, uh, vitamins or so to speak, or minerals that's coming from the soil. And that's the reason why you are fruitful. Your leaves does not wither. No matter if we have gray hair, our leaves do not wither. Amen. And so that was our, you know, that was our point last week. We're going to be focusing on, you know, in the next seven more weeks, the importance of the Word of God. And the reason why we're doing this is because we want to get deep in our walk with God. You can't really know who God is apart from His Word. You know, you and I have actually been attending this church, and if you're coming here for quite a while, you know that church is not about religion. Coming to church is not about just, you know, uh, about an obligation or a duty that you do every Sunday, but it's really about a relationship. Everybody say a relationship. And relationships takes time to grow. You and I are aware, if you're married, how many of you know that it takes time for that relationship to grow? If you're single and you're eyeing a person or a single, you know, if you're a single man, okay, I'm, I'm looking at body again, okay. If you're in a, in a, I'm not sure if you're eyeing a single lady, okay. But if, you know, if you're single, whether you're a woman or a man, if you're single and you're praying for someone, you know, it takes a while for that relationship to nourish and to grow and to be nurtured. And there's a reason why when you talk about us coming before the Lord and you know, having a relationship with God and having a relationship with Jesus, it will have to take some time for us to know who He is. And how do you know God apart from the written Word? We can't know God apart from His Word. Jesus is, you know, embedded in all the pages of the Scriptures as we read the Word of God every single day. And so we want to talk about the inerrancy of, you know, some of this are going to be doctrinal and theological. You know, we're going to talk about the canon. Why? Hindi yung kanyon, okay? The canon, you know, why, why we have the Old and the New Testament. We're going to talk about the inerrancy of Scripture, that the Scripture will never make a mistake. There's nothing false in the Scripture. Amen. We're going we're to talk about the infallibility of the Scripture, that the Word of God will stand on by itself no matter what happens. The Word of God lives forever. You can actually stand on the Word. And if you stand on the Word, you're going to be immovable. Amen. You, you can stand on the promise of God and say, God, whatever it is that happens, I'm going to stand in your promise. I'm not going to let go. Amen. Storms will come and they will go, but the Word of God will endure forever. Amen. Storms are temporary. We're going to go through some storms. Let me just tell you this. 2018, we're declaring all things are possible in His name. Amen. Come on now. 
We know that's going to happen. But yet, the only way that that can be tested is if you go through some storms. Do you know that? How can you actually say that God is a healer if you're not going to get sick? How can you say that God is your provider if sometimes you don't go through lack? And you will actually sense and know for certain that God indeed is faithful to His Word. We go through situations in life and we can be tested. Our faith can be tried and tested. But the Bible says you will come out as pure as gold. That's why it's nice going to pure gold. Your faith will be tested, but don't worry about it. If you hang on to the Word of God, you're going to come out as gold. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you look like gold. I am a golden boy already, so I like the song gold. Okay. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are some things that you can't live without? Pastor, cell phone. No, I'm not talking about that, okay? For those of you who are millennials, probably that's the first answer that you will give me. But what are the things that you and I can't live without? First thing that you can't live without is oxygen. How many of you know that you cannot live without air? We did water fast. Some people did an air fast. No, you cannot do that. You can't fast from air. You know, I, I think it takes about three minutes for you to, you know, I mean, it depends on how big your lungs are. But the average person, you can't live without air for more than three minutes. How about water? You can't live without water for more than three days. What about food? How many of you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God? Yes. But yet we still need food for sustenance. How many of you are glad that you can now eat anything you want? Praise God. You know, some of us were hallucinating already in the, on, during Wednesday. Oh, you know, I'm thinking about you know, burgers and fries. But you know, come Friday when we're about to break the fast and we're, when everything is just available for eating, you get overwhelmed. What do I do first? You know, you've been planning the whole week what to eat, but now that you're, you can't eat, you can't, you, you can't really take it all in. But we know that we need food, amen. But you know, even in the scripture, Jesus and Moses fasted for 40 days and for 40 nights. You can actually live without eating for about three weeks. If you're a super Christian, go ahead for 40 days. Amen. The grace of God will be there. Shelter. Sleep. How many of you lack sleep? You know, you just can't sleep. Because, I don't know, maybe some have insomnia, some have anxieties, or maybe the cares of this, or worries. Or some are just not able to sleep because you work in a call center. But we need sleep. You can't live life lacking sleep. You know, Nasa was going through this, you know, according to Abraham Maslow, the Maslow's uh, hierarchy of needs. And he presented two more things. We need safety. How many of you know that we need to live in a safe environment? We can't live without safety. And of course, obviously, you need clothing right? Can't come to church without clothes. Amen. That's why we put on full blast the aircon so that you put a lot of clothes. Amen. 
But in reality, that's what we need physically, but in spiritual sense. If you're a Christian, and we're all tripartite beings, we, we have a body. How many of you have a body? You brought it to church this morning. Okay? You feed that body. You take care of that body. You drink vitamins. You give that body some rest. You give that body some uh, vitamins and sleep and vacation and so on and so forth. But there is your soul and your spirit. And how do we take care of our soul and our spirit? And that is the Word of God. My question for us this morning is, why is the Bible valuable to us as followers of Christ? I can't live without this. You know, I can't smile without you. I can't function without this Word. I hope that that is our attitude when it comes to the Word of God. You know, many times when we, you know, when I, there are times I, I, I leave my cell phone, I forget my cell phone when I'm charging it. When I leave it at home and I'm already in the office, I realize my cell phone is in my, on my desk and I'm charging it. How many of you sense that during that time you feel helpless and ho- hopeless? Because all your calendar is in your cell phone, everything is there in your cell phone, you know, your messages, your communication, basically your work. And you feel naked without the cell phone. But can you actually say that when you leave the Bible in your home, that you. You know, how many of us would actually respond or react that way? But sometimes I guess some people can live for about a week or two weeks or three weeks or maybe a month without even opening. The Word of God. Try doing that. Our children, not only, you know, my, I'm so proud about my youngest daughter. She lost a bit of weight. She gained it in a day. But anyway, so <laughs> she did the liquid fast. She's so into the fast. My second daughter is, you know, I'm, I'm hungry. You know. Just go and eat if you, if you can do it. But my youngest daughter, Andrea, Say, I'm not gonna eat. I'm just gonna take in liquid for the entire week, Dad. Monday morning, she was getting all the bananas and yogurt and prepare herself a smoothie. Liquid fast. <laughs> Might as well put a burger in that blender, Anak. It's as solid as it can get. But in her heart of hearts, she said, Dad, I'm doing this because I'm fasting, you know. I have the faith to just be like you and, you know, just fast with you. And apart from fasting from food, they fasted from media. They didn't do YouTube. They didn't do any, you know, uh, me- they just did a media fast. They w- didn't watch anything. So by Friday evening, they were just, ah, ah my iPad, my iPhone. Woo! I mean, try doing that with the Bible. Do we actually just, you know, I, I find the word, I can't, I can't live without this word. If, you, if, you've, if you've not gone with the scripture for about three days, do we respond that way? I need this. I'm so thirsty. Like a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for you, O oh God. We're going to read the Bible this morning. And not only today, but our prayer is that we will read it every day. Everybody say, every day. 
We're going to love the scriptures. Amen. We're going to meditate on the word. We're going to take baby steps. And I realize that it takes a lot of discipline for you and I to be able to really imbibe it into our system. It's kind of like going to the gym. It starts with the desire, you discipline, and then eventually it becomes a delight. I'd like to ask everyone to stand. We're just going to read from Psalm chapter 119. I've put it here. We're going to read it all together. I placed two scriptures from Psalm 119. If you want to memorize a good chunk of the Bible, go memorize Psalm chapter 119, okay? That's the longest chapter in the whole Bible, okay? Anyway, so Psalm chapter 119, verse 72. Let's all read this out loud. Ready? One, two, three. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. Let's read from verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Father, today we stand at attention because of your logos, the written word. Father, may we be a people who can never survive without reading and meditating and delighting in the Word of God every single day. I pray, God, that you would give us a hunger, an insatiable desire to know who you are through the pages of the Bible. And I thank you, Lord God, that indeed each page, each verse points to who you are, Lord Jesus. Father God, thank you for your grace as we start a new habit in our lives. I thank you that you will sustain each and every one of us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Word view. I hope that you will put so much value in that Bible that you get to chew it, enjoy it, read it. You know, if you read through history, the first book ever printed was the Bible from the Gutenberg Press. I'm sure that you're familiar with that. And only about 180 Bibles were printed out of that printing press. Johannes Gutenberg was the one who invented and revolutionized the printing press. The reason why you and I have literatures today and books and you know all the different materials that we have is because of this man who invented. And the very first thing that came out, a whole volume of the Bible, 180 uh, copies of the Bible came out printed in 1455. And only about 49 copies exist in different libraries all over the world. About half of those are not even complete. Germany claims to have the most number of the Bibles in their possession. About 14 Bibles have been gathered back. Of course, you know, because of what happened to the different wars and the you know, uh, transitions in the different generation, some Bible pieces were lost. About 10 whole Bibles are being claimed to be uh, in the possession of the United States, and all the rest are scattered in different countries. I think the last sale of the complete Bible was done in 1978, and one Bible got sold for $2.2 million. How many of you know that that is an expensive book? But yet the buyer, I'm sure, said it's worth it. Not only is he taking home the original from the printing press, but you know, 
just look at this, the quality. Of, and I'm not sure. Maybe that's a German Bible. But yet, for him, you know, it is such a find. Another sale came out in 1987, and the Gutenberg Bible was sold for about $5.4 million. They're estimating that now at another auction, another Bible will be sold now in today's uh, currency at $35 million. One book. I believe the reason why the buyers are doing this is because they probably have this feeling of Job when he declared, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. You know, this is somehow what motivated a lot of us when we were praying and fasting. We set aside physical food and we just devoured, if I may say that, and meditated and read the Word of God. And I pray that this will become a reality that we will treasure more the Word of God more than your daily bread. This was confirmed and validated by the Lord Jesus when He said, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We see that in Matthew chapter 4. You see, the Bible is so important for us that it is necessary for us in order for us to be able to know who God is. Amen. That is our first point. And I've been saying about this, that you know, when you talk about the Word of God, it's really about a relationship more than just a piece of book or a you know, bunch of papers you know, just compiled together, 66 books in one volume. And you know, when I was not yet a Christian, I was looking at the Bible, I said, I couldn't read that, I couldn't understand it. Because how many of you know that reading the Bible is actually spiritually discerned? If you are a believer and the Spirit of God is in you, the Holy Spirit will be the one to teach you the Word of God. Amen. But my view of the Bible then, when I was a young boy, you know, I remember we had this huge Bible, it's bigger than my chest. You know, in, in, in our cabinet, I remember it's called, it's red, it's a huge, thick Bible. It's just there. I would pass from my room to the next room and I would actually see that Bible and I would actually say, that's a holy Bible. It's so holy, I don't want to touch it. <laughs> and that was the perception because we think that it is so impossible for us to know the written word of God. Can you imagine? If I'm going to write a love letter for my wife, and I'm going to try to make it so difficult for her to not understand what I'm talking about. How many of you know that that does not makes sense. It's nonsensical. You know, if you're writing a love note to your husband or to your wife or to your, you know, my, my daughter, one time when I was traveling, just inserted a love note in my Bible. And as I opened it, it just says there, you are the best dad in the world. It made my day. I said, wow, thank you. And I was, I was out there and I read that it, yes, I said, well, it's so clear. The message was so clear. But what if he just drew pictures of a giraffe 
and, you know, a burger and, you know, whatever. And just insert it there. It doesn't make sense. But yet, when you talk about the Bible, I believe that God, in His own heart of hearts, desires to, for us to be able to understand everything that is written in this book. Amen. Yes, even the book of Leviticus. Even the book of Numbers. Amen. It's all here. The Bible is necessary for us to know who God is. In verse 9, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it. Everybody say, guarding it. According to your word. You know, we want to live a pure life. You know, we're into pure things nowadays. You know, if you're buying a honey from the grocery, you have to check if it's a pure nectar or a, you know, half of it if it's just high fructose syrup. Amen. How many of you know that not all things out there are pure? Many are already adulterated. And you, you, my, my wife and I are watching a documentary on this. They found out that nowadays, people or companies are actually mixing things so that the honey, it may look like honey, it may taste like honey, but it's not real honey. Because it's no longer pure. We want the pure things. If you have, you know, if you have a bar of gold, whatever it is, you want the purest thing. And the only way that you can purify gold is if it goes through the fire. And the Bible says, how can a young man keep his way pure by guarding it or by living according to your word? If we are desiring to nurture a relationship with God and we take care of that relationship and we dare not hurt the person that we love. Amen. In verse 10, it says, With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from, from your commandments. As we seek God through His Word, guess what? We will know Him more through His Word. There's a difference between casual seeker and really digging deeper in the Word of God. Amen. You don't just flippantly, you know, Open the scripture and say, God, speak to me today. And what you do is you do a Bible roulette. Okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Mm, boom. What do you find there? Judas hang himself. You know, we can't do that. Just doing a, a Bible roulette every day. But you got to have a systematic way of reading the word of God. Go and start from Genesis if you want. It's the beginning of the year. Or maybe start with Matthew. Find yourself a Bible reading plan. Whatever it is, you can actually read the Bible through in a year. There are reading plans that are out there that can actually encourage us to read the Bible through in two years. Or read the Bible in three years. That's an average of one chapter every day. How many of you know that that is not much? One chapter a day of the Word. Some of us use Facebook for at least three to four hours. But when you go through the Bible for about a chapter a day and you meditate on that scripture, even for about 15, 20, 30 minutes, it will change your life. It changes us from the inside out. And the reason why I read the Word of God is not because I'm a pastor. There are two different distinct times that I read the Bible. 
One is in my study of the Word of God, and one is when I am just enjoying my time with the Lord. Study of the Scripture for me is one thing so that I can be a good pastor, and I read my Bible so that I can be a good son. Because I want to know who my Heavenly Father is. Amen. Yes, this is my job. I read the Bible, but yet, aside from that, I read my Bible because first and foremost, I want to know who God is. I want to nurture my relationship with Him. Yesterday, I was in a child dedication. We went to Kalamba in Ayala Green Field and did a child dedication and visited the house of the parents of one of our members here. Uh, it's a lovely place. New house. They just moved there uh, just last July of 2017. Lovely place. You know, you are overlooking the city. And, you know, we actually was able to uh, reach nighttime. So we saw the lights of the city. Nice view. And so when we were there in the house, you we were having coffee. Uh, the parents basically said, uh, Pastor, uh, can we, this is the term, can we abuse you? <laughs> Uh, because I just did a child dedication and they didn't even say that I'm going to do a house dedication. So they asked basically, you know, a quick question. Can you do a quick house dedication right now since you're here anyway? And can you imagine as a pastor, you know, I probably would have panicked because I don't have, I don't, I'm not prepared, you know. My notes are not with me, my, you know. But I praise God because that mo yesterday morning I was meditating on the scripture for me, not even for the preaching. I was reading through Genesis chapter 28, and it was uh, the account of Jacob when he was running away from his brother Esau, when Isaac sent him back to Padan Aram to be able to get a wife from there, and he had to stop in a place called, you know, eventually he named it Bethel. And that place was actually the place wherein he saw a stairway to heaven. Biblical pala yung kanta na yan. Stairway to heaven. He saw angels descending and ascending from that stair. And that is where he met the Lord. God spoke to him and renewed God's covenant of Abraham and Isaac with him there. Part of the covenant is prosperity. Part of the covenant is posterity, multiplication of descendants. But another part of the covenant is property. I'm going to give this land to you. And I was meditating on that the whole day. And when he asked me, can you dedicate this property? Guess what scripture I used to dedicate the property? Genesis chapter 28. And I said, God gave you this land. God knew ahead of time that you're going to stay here. It's a retirement home. It's a lovely home. And I declared a blessing not only in that property, but through their children. And you're going to see your generation. Now you see third generation. May you see your fourth generation. And we declare the blessing of God there. And may this place be known as a Bethel in your family. Where you can actually see the presence of God here all the time. When people come in this place, they would sense, what's the difference in this place? So much peace. There's presence of God. And we prayed a quick prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm sharing this because I want you to 
get a view of where I'm coming from and how it is for us to be able to live in the Word of God. Amen. And as we have declared this, you know, this morning, you know, all things are possible in His name. You know, yesterday I was also reading in Matthew chapter 9, that it says there, according to your faith, let it be done to you. Yes, there is a word that is the one that actually elevates us to be able to open the door for us in 2018, but it takes our faith to agree with the word of God. Amen. So that we will see things change and mountains be moved and walls collapse and doors open before our eyes. Amen. I study the scripture so that I can be a better pastor. I read the word so that I can be a good son. This is our desire. If I can just by osmosis pass it down to all of you guys. With my whole heart, everybody say whole heart. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. The fear of the Lord is clean. Everybody say clean. Not only is it pure, it's clean. It's enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The fear of God is what keeps us from sin. Amen. The fear of the Lord is a beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord will keep yourself pure. The fear of the Lord will keep yourself from any compromise. The fear of the Lord is actually taken from reading the Word of God. You can't really have the fear of God apart from knowing the law and the commands and the precepts and the Word of God. How can you know the standard if you're not even reading the book? How do you know that it's wrong to womanize or to have adultery or engage in adultery if you are not familiar with the book? How do you find out it's re- wrong to cheat? It's wrong to, uh, to cut on your, you know, your, your dealings if you don't read the book? And so on and so forth. D.L. Moody said, the Bible will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from the Bible. Which one is it? As we read the Word of God, as we put our love, you know, put ourselves and become more and more in love with the Word of God, we know who God is and we obey Him through His written Word. As I said, time and time again, Jesus is the one that is being revealed in the Word. John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning, everybody say, in the beginning. In the beginning was the word. The first verse of this chapter begins with in the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 begins with in the beginning. It's almost like a, uh, what do you call that? Yun nga, okay? Book ends. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Who is this God? Or who is this word that is being described in the beginning? In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you know that Jesus existed not only in the New Testament, but even from the beginning of time? Jesus is the living word, the word made flesh. The Bible is the written word. Both are known as logos. Everybody say logos. The living word is revealed through the written word, and the written word leads us to the living word. As you read the Bible... You know who that person is through the pages of the book. 
More than just you reading a literature, you are being directed and led to know who this person is. The Bible is the only book that when you read it, the author is actually with you. You can read a lot of different magazines and books and, you know, I've been reading a lot of books lately because of my master's program in Wheaton. And, you know, sometimes it's just so hard to understand what the author is trying to say. But when you talk about the Bible, when you're reading it, guess what? The one who wrote it is actually sitting by your side, actually it's in your heart, reading it with you. And delighting, that you are actually delighting in His written word. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. We're just going to run through some verses to make this point. But as for you, continue. Everyone say continue. Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, in Christ Jesus. Paul is encouraging Timothy, don't just have a good start, continue in your faith with him. We don't just read the Bible just because, you know, the pastor said, you know, when you got saved and you went to the altar call, okay, read your Bible, it's a chapter a day or whatever. But now that you're a believer, now that you're a Christian, now that you're walking with the Lord and journeying with him, I hope and I pray that we will continue in this discipline. The Bible is necessary for us to know God. The Bible is necessary for us to be spiritually strong. We need to be firm in the inside. The Bible says, Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. There is a war out there. Amen. How many of you realize that when you became a Christian, you are enlisted for a war? There are two kingdoms. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But Darth Vader is not the one leading the kingdom of darkness. Amen. There's this prince of the air named Satan, the devil. His former name was Lucifer. And he's an enemy. You and I are on the side of God. And we need to be spiritually strong. In verse 28 of Psalm 119, my soul is Weary with sorrow, strengthen me according to your word. We can't get strong apart from the written word of God. Verse 37, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. There's a strengthening, there is a preservation. To preserve means to live, to revive, to keep alive, to give life, to nourish up. Preserve me, O God. Preserve my life. Verse 40, how I long for your precepts in your righteousness. Preserve my life. The Bible is also the only book where the author is in love with the reader. There's emotion there. When you read the word, guess what? The author is not just there with you. He is so much in love with you. That he desires to protect you and preserve you and give you what you need to nourish you. Verse 116, sustain me, O God, according to your promise, and I will what? And I will live. Do not let my hopes be dashed. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. You know, I was reading this morning, and I was just reminded by the Lord. 
In Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. The enemy's job is to steal the word from your heart. And when the sower comes, he actually scatters the seed. And guess what? The seed goes in four different places. First, it goes on the path. And guess what? The moment it gets on the path, the birds of the air will actually come and snatch the word of God. And guess what? We are preaching the word of God this morning. And I know that the moment that you hit that button going down and you rode the elevator, how many of you know that the enemy is waiting to snatch the word of God from you? He will send discouragement. He will send you, you know, uh, loneliness. He will send you uh, anger. He will send you uh, fear. He will send you whatever it is that will discourage you and ultimately, boom, whatever it is that you have received here, it is snatched by the enemy. Another seed is actually scattered on shallow ground. And this is actually the seed that is, you know, people who actually receive the word with joy and gladness immediately after they receive it. But the Bible says, according to the Lord, that when times of difficulties and hardships and trials come, they easily give up. Hindi pala ako mahal ni Lord. They start questioning the word. They start questioning the relationship with God. And that's the kind of second seed that falls on rocky ground because its roots are shallow. And there are those seeds that are planted among the thorns and the business of this life and all the cares of this world, all the trappings of this you know, commercialized life, you know, our desire to get rich, our desire to have the latest gadget, our desire to, you know, to move on forward. There's nothing wrong with ambition as long as you know that it does not replace who God is in your life. But yet Jesus is saying that because of the cares of this world, it actually is engulfed by the cares and the word disappears. But Jesus is saying, but there's a fourth soil where the word is planted. And this soil is good soil. Look at the person beside you and tell the person, you are a good soil. And when the seed of God's word is planted, guess what will happen to that word because you are a good soil. This seed will grow 30, 60, and 100 fold and give so much return. He's like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its what? Fruit in season whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prospers. There's so much wealth in the word of God. Jeremiah chapter 15, verse 16, your words were found and I ate them. Look at the description of the prophets. Your words are like honey, you know. And this time, this prophet is saying, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and a delight in my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. Do you know we're talking about seed? The word of God is actually a seed planted in your heart. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 23, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of what? Imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. You and I cannot be saved and be converted and transformed apart from 
the Word of God. More to be desired are they than gold, even gold sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. When Jewish men would teach their sons or their daughters the Word of God, they will go through each Hebrew alphabet and they would teach them the Torah. And they would actually, what they would do is they would actually get honey and put it on the letter and let the child taste that word and taste the honey. Literally, they do that so that they can associate how good it is for them to be able to enjoy and be nurtured with the Word of God. Try doing that on your Bible. You put Nutella or butter and you taste it. I ate your word. Last as I close, the Bible is necessary for us to follow God's will. I believe all of us are praying for 2018 and we're asking God for His will to be done. We're not asking for His will to change. We're asking for our hearts to align with the will of God. What we're saying is, Lord, let me know your will. Because how many of you know that the will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect? It does not change. He will not change for us. But He is changing our hearts for us. As you know the will of God, He's going to make your heart so pliable. He will change the way you look at life. Your worldview is going to be aligned with His word view. The Bible is so necessary for us to know who God is. It's necessary for us to have spiritual strength. And it's also necessary for us to know the will of God. Ultimately, the main point is God's word is life. Can't live without it. God's word points us to a relationship and a person. My prayer is that we can just have so much love for God in the same way that God loves us. We're familiar with this scripture, John 3.16. It's beaten already, but that is the truth. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your gift to your people. Thank you for the written word. Thank you for the Bible that we have in our hands. So many people fought for the scriptures so that we can actually have it now. May we consider it a privilege and an honor and a delight every time we come and open it and read it and memorize it and meditate on it and may we continue to believe all the things that are put in the scripture according to our faith may it be done to us some of us are probably having a difficult time believing for the promise of God maybe because of some experience that you have gone through in your past your faith was shaken you had a faith quake and you were shaken to the core 
But that doesn't change the, change the fact and the reality that the Word of God is true. The Word of God is immovable and imperishable and that God loves us. The enemy comes in like a flood, but God raises a standard. What the enemy has meant for evil, may God turn around for good for us. Amen. Let's just lay our hands on our heart right now, all of us across this room. Father God, help us to believe in your word. Father, I pray that for those of us who have wounded faith, broken wings, Lord, just those who've gone through some faith quakes, lost loved ones, lost a job, maybe have gone through difficult season in the area of relationship, I pray God for your healing even right now. We choose to believe your word. Your word brings life. You bring full restoration for us, for our spirit, our soul, our body. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a faithful God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. You're never leaving us. You're not going to leave us, nor you're going to forsake us. You're going to be there by our side, God. Thank you, Lord. Can you put your hand down for a while? I know that we're taking some time here. But as we close our eyes and bow our heads for the, you know, for the last time, if you're here today and you've not given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, He is our life. He is the life giver. He is the one who gives you eternal life. If you want to receive forgiveness and eternal life, I want you to lift up your hand right now before the Lord and just say, God, help me. Receive it by faith. Anyone at all. I just want to pray for you very quickly. Lift it up right now. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, by faith receive that forgiveness and receive eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Let's all lift up our hands before the Lord. Father, thank you so much for giving us your life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your mercy and your compassion. They're new every morning, God. Great is your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord God, even today as your people leave this place. May you transform the way we view the word. May you change our hearts from the inside out. I thank you that you will give us a deeper love and a pure devotion to the word of God. God, draw us near you. May we consider your word as honey from the honeycomb. That we will consider it better than our daily bread. That we would actually say that I can't live without this word just like the air I breathe in my lungs. Lord, and I think, and even as we do that, I thank you that your blessing and your prosperity and success will come upon your people as we meditate and carefully obey the written word. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and grant you peace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of our Heavenly Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise God.